The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. special edition of the Palazzo Podcast. It's the BYB edition. So for those of you that are not in my home league, you might find this less valuable, but I would argue that might not be the case at all, in fact, because we are regular people in a regular league, and the things we do in this league, though it is a little more bizarre and unique than other leagues, I will say that, I think there's still things you could take away and learn in your own draft preparation, trades, uh, league rules, shit like that. So, uh, yeah. So this is a little focus for my home league. BYB is bless you boys. And last year we did a post-draft podcast with me, Dan, and Jason Mangold. Today it's just me and Dan White. Dan returns uh, almost a year later. We still haven't had our draft yet, but we're here to kind of check in, uh, make fun of everybody in the league, give our own opinions, and get the hell out of here. Dan, how you doing? I am doing very well, sir. Very well, sir. Appreciate you having me on and uh, excited to talk a little shit and little shop. For lack of <laughs> shit, little shop. Yeah, it's great. Uh, of course, uh, this is such a unique opportunity and maybe it's selfish and self-serving, but I don't care. You know, it's my podcast to do whatever I want with it. So I'm happy to talk about our home league because we do a lot of goofy stuff in there. But uh, I think at the end, it's kind of like any other league. And I want to give you the quick parameters. It's a 14 team head to head cats. And it's uh, aggregate, so you know you six four ten cats, right? And if yep. Dan and Dan and I are playing in a given week, and he beats me seven to three, or there are ties, so it could be six three one something like that. And that's basically how it works, right, Dan? That's right. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Some shifts over the last couple of years um, from kind of the essentially the um, Yahoo mandated um, categories, and we've switched up a few things like. OBP from average, et cetera. So we've evolved, like I think most leagues have over the last couple of years, which has been positive. Yeah. You know, 
There's a lot of talk on this show, especially this year and more recently about NFBC. And this is a Yahoo league. So there's probably some of you people out there who are going to say negative things. like, Oh, you guys are on Yahoo. What a bunch of losers. But, you know, we're just real American people playing fantasy baseball. And it has such a history built up on it now. How many years? Has, you were originally in the league when it first started, right, Dan? I was, yeah. So it actually evolved from a, from a league, um, I guess, back in 2008, give or take. Um, but I've been playing Yahoo Fantasy Baseball since 2003. And so when it, when it, when it started, it was essentially just by default, the format and the, uh, the platform. And much like my AOL address, it has just stuck around for quite a while. Um, so we still do it. But, but it is actually functionally. Uh, <laughs> hey, laugh track. Very funny. That was very yeah. funny, Dan. I wish we had so much more. We're going to get a lot of laugh track. I'm just going to warn you. A lot of laugh track this month. <laughs> Uh, no, but it, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a good platform. It's well-maintained and, um, they have a couple periods of time where they have to do, you know, some, some updates to the system, but generally it's pretty well maintained and they've gotten better about updating the player pool, uh, when appropriate, et cetera. So it's not necessarily the best. It's probably not the most fancy or prettiest, but it gets the job done. It really does. And you can play any type of league you want on there. So I'm always going to ride for Yahoo because, it's going to provide what you want. That's Doesn't right. matter what type of league, they have it. They're even getting big on best ball now. They were a little bit behind on that, but now they're going to do that this year. Yeah. And unless you're a super high-stakes player, and even then they have leagues if you want to get into public leagues and challenges that are thousands of dollars, if you so choose. But I understand why uh, Fantrax is pretty popular. I know that uh, Casey in our league, and I think Jason, were pretty big Fantrax fans themselves, and shout-out to those guys. I think uh, it really has more depth if you're looking to do a dynasty or keeper league that would be my that would be my choice if i was to yeah. start over again but i know that there's so much history now that we you can transfer over too that's actually another thing i found in fan tracks you can transfer leagues from yahoo and bring all the old history with you but people get paranoid and afraid that it'll, somehow it won't work and i don't know if i was to start a league today i'd probably do it on fan tracks it's, it's funny you say that because i joined a fan tracks league last year um this was a post-pandemic pre-60 game season Fantrax League and it was not dynasty roster size was just you know massive and um that's the first time I'd ever experienced that platform and it, it is I mean as far as statistics go um it is you know immensely I would say probably uh incalculably better than than Yahoo as it relates to that right understanding all the various metrics especially if you've got more than a, more than a five by five category league, right? If you've got uh, the, the categories are more extensive. However, my experience was that the the interface and kind of the overall user experience was a little bit, and probably by design, it was a bit more like a like a coder experience, right? You had to understand the nuance of that platform a bit more to really understand how to navigate it. Once I got in it, though, yeah, I mean, it's way 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 more sophisticated. Um, and I, you know, I, I equate it to like probably fifth grade math to what I would equate to probably freshman year college math. Like you're looking at different platforms. It's not the same. They're not apples and apples, right? It's very, very different. So, but I agree. If we could transfer, I think it would probably take a year for people to get comfortable. I'd have to go back to classic versus new lineup on Yahoo and, and change up my perspective on that. But it might be a good shift long term because this is a serious group. And I think, I think if we maintain it, it's, it's worth maybe investing in that. Oh, definitely it's a serious group. We have OBP instead of average. So I said it's five by five. That's the one benefit. I give credit to League for changing that a while ago. Uh, but we're still doing wins. That's part of the routine. Just like any standard five by five roto. So 
We don't do QSs. We don't do saves plus holds. We just do saves, and that's it. Otherwise, it's your standard five by five. Right. And, you know, I used to get really annoyed by it, but I just kind of accepted where we are. And, yeah, we did make a couple of minor changes in terms of, like, competition, which I thought were pretty neat. You know, we have the the anti-tanking rule will go into effect, right? Yep. Yep. And I, I'm still... I still don't know how I feel about that. Though basically, it's what if you finish in the top outside of the playoff rankings, you get the number one pick. Is that how that works? Yeah. So you're basically fighting for seventh place, right? So six teams make the playoffs out of fourteen, which you know I would argue maybe in a fourteen team league, four teams might be better, but six is good. It seems equitable. Um, and yeah, the, the the idea of the rule is that you are fighting for that seventh spot, um, or or ultimately fighting for the sixth spot, right? But if you make the seventh spot and versus trading all your picks and trading all your players, which, again, that's a strategy as well. I did that last year because my team was just crap and I had to. Oh, yeah. We're a keeper league, by the way, too. We rotate between eight and six year to year. So uh, I wanted eight, to mention eight, that. All right, six to ten. So six to eight to ten, back to six. Oh. So we'll go to ten next year, back to <laughs> eight, back to six. I don't even know the rules of my own home league. <laughs> <laughs> I thought well the constitution we made it is eight somewhat six fluid, to... so I don't blame you for not knowing. Yeah. Look, it, it's cool that it, it rotates. You know, last year we this kept uh, this six. Week. This year we keep eight. And our keeper deadline's coming up before the yeah, draft, I, so we have eight guys yeah. to keep. That's right. We have we have a uh, couple weeks before we have to make keeper decisions. But um but yeah, the idea is that the uh the, the idea is that you're basically trying to drive competition for that final um playoff spot and and inevitably the seventh the seventh seed will um probably not if they don't make the sixth spot they will be the number one rank number one seed in the consolation bracket and therefore also in the consolation bracket if they finish seventh so if they win the consolation bracket they will get the number one pick versus the team that finishes 14th oh Which typically that team that finishes 14th uh you know has has given up weeks ago so it's it's definitely it's definitely an incentive. I mean, if you if you're in the consolation bracket and you have a good team that was good enough to maybe make the playoffs, you're potentially fighting for the number one pick. Especially if it's a six keeper year, you're talking about players in the call it 80s. Sorry, excuse me, 80s and 90s. 85th. Right, 85th. So you're talking about a, a highly ranked player, unkept player. You know, think about Will Myers, Trevor Bauer type players last year, for example. Um, Trevor Bauer is probably a better example, but he was uncapped and he was drafted in the second round last year. So a lot of yeah. good teams we had. So I think it's a, good, it's a good incentive. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt's a perfect example, right? Unkept guys. So especially when you're keeping eight, the way I look at it is like if you're keeping eight or, or for us 10 next year, unless I'm completely wrong, so I apologize, you, you, that draft pick that you have in the first and second round, you're essentially drafting a keeper for the following year. I trade a lot, so maybe not. But ultimately, you're looking at players. You're looking at players that are keepable, and then you get out of that first or second round. You're looking at players that probably aren't keepable. So um, it's a big deal. It's something to evaluate year to year. Fascinating stuff. That's right. This is the BYB edition of the Plotso Podcast. We're talking about our home league, the Bless You Boys League. Me and Dan are both multi-time champions of We're that league. The only. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are the good. only. <laughs> Three-time champions. We are also the only back-to-back champions in the history of the league. I will call oh. you. That. And you, most recently, of course, the last two years. It's been a wild side <laughs> one-one. 
But well, yeah. Dan has been in the league and then he left the league and come back. So he's one of those guys who he did great and he's loved the league, but then he had to leave for a while. And but then he missed it. He came back and now he's looking for that. Uh, you're still looking for that elusive title since you returned. Is that correct, Dan? Uh, yes. So I left in 2015. I won in 20. Sorry, I left in 2016. I won in 2015. Left, left after the 2016 season and um, took a bit of a sabbatical, dedicating a little bit too much time um, with young kids around the house and came back. And, yeah, looking for that, looking for a return to glory, as they say, <laughs> after 2015. So it's been, it's been a minute since I've won, but uh, <laughs> hopeful for this year. Well, I'm sure it's going to happen sooner or later. You're definitely one of the key competitors in this league. It's a tough I- league. Uh, there's some people that have never made the playoffs still. It's painful. Shout out Cuddy. Shout out Mangold. It's really Mold just not uh, ideal. I feel bad for those guys. Sorry, I, I messed up the, um, the the drop there. But Michael Muldoon, you know, multiple time playoff. Um, he's reached the playoffs, but he's never won. So shout mm-hmm. out Mike. I think that bothers him. Uh, I think I think he um, he might have or continues to lose sleep over that. But I don't want <laughs> to make I don't want to make any assumptions. But I think so. Well, we're going to talk a bit about some of the moves that have happened here so you guys can kind of understand what transactions look like for us in the offseason, and maybe they'll have some type of relevance or reference to your own leagues. This is a very trade-heavy league. There's basically no restrictions on trade. It's a fucking free-for-all. It's just a nonstop free-for-all of trades anytime, anyplace, until the trade deadline. There is a trade deadline, and that's when things end. But I've never been in a league where these trades happen so quick and so fast, and people go back and forth with the same partner, trading back the same people, uh, John, Mangold, I'm thinking of you two guys in particular. Uh, Dan sometimes seems to get involved in that, but he's not as goofy with it. There always seems to be a purpose. But Dan very much believes that you don't really hang on to a player for any emotional reason or anything. Any guy could be moved at any time because you want to get them at the ideal time to where their max... Really, their max production is giving you everything, and then you're you're like the Belichick, I guess, of fantasy baseball. You're ready to dump a guy at any given time at any sign of regression or getting old. Uh, how do you respond to that, Dan? Yeah, no, it's a fair assessment. I think I am very much in the mindset that anytime you can make any amount of incremental improvement to your team, whether it be a move that you know limits your moves far down the season, but say you have to make two moves in a day or two days to get a certain player on your roster for a day um, or a starting pitcher who you believe is going to have a good performance. Um, or well, this is daily transactions, by the way, or I yeah. mean, daily uh, lineup setting and uh, you can stream. There's seven moves. Sorry, not seven moves. There's a hundred moves in the season. So you have unlimited moves, but once you hit a hundred, you're done. So I want people to understand that reference. Yeah, it's a great call out. So you've got a hundred moves a season, which, which in essence is about a little over five a week with 23 weeks in the overall season give or take um right so you, you've got some weeks where you could you do sick but you're looking at about five give or take um um a week am i doing the math there right mike keep me on yeah, give or okay. take you got okay. 21 weeks yeah 21 22 weeks a little less anyway, than five let, on average you keep it to like four to five right and so but the way i the way i the way i look at trades is the same way i look at any transaction is if, it, if there's an ink an opportunity for incremental improvement at a particular position or category, you make the move. It doesn't matter what you're giving up. It doesn't necessarily matter if the player you're trading for is a year or two years older. I go for it every season. And that, that's a different philosophy than some players. I think some teams, they're looking at that longer term. I mean, Mike, you're a fantastic example of looking at that long-term gain 
with certain players, right? Acuna, Trout, et cetera, where you're looking at the longer term gain and you're making incremental moves as needed, but you're not, you're not selling the farm. You're not making, you know, really rash decisions where I have no commitment, right? If I've got a guy on my team that I believe is still going to produce, but I could get three extra home runs and 15 extra RBIs for the remainder of a season, I might make that move. Last year, I had 15 different injuries, give or take, on my team between Ozzy Albies, Tommy Pham, et cetera, you name it. And I was dealing those guys the minute they got hurt, undervalue for players that were going to produce at a given time. So I was willing to sell low or sell, sell low on a guy to get a guy that actually could produce. And then this offseason, my goal has been to take those picks and players and turn them back into legitimate players for next season. So it's like I had that plan all along. So it's a it's a it's a it's a different philosophy. I'm probably one of three or four guys in the league that takes that approach, John being one of them. But what's interesting, Mike, is Travis sent that link about or that image of all the top players. And I would say 30% of the top five players' overall performance in the league are players that trade a decent amount. So it's about a third, give it maybe 50% if you look at the first top half of the league, that are actively trading. So it almost feels like you can do it, you cannot, but if you have a good baseline of players, you're still going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to be too connected to a player, but sometimes it happens when you have a trout or a Cunha on your team, it's tough to let them go Agreed. because they are elite at the time. But sometimes you strike at a moment where it feels right to let someone go, but at the same time gain on someone. I also traded for the right times on guys like Bregman and Lindor who were on the brink of their breakout seasons that they had a couple years ago. Right. So that, you know, timing is always everything, no matter what league you play in. And in our league, you've been pretty busy this offseason. We keep track of all our uh, trades in the offseason, and roster updates are all organized by our great commissioner and co-commissioner, the wonderful combo, the cat and the wizard of mathematics, Travis and Scott. Scott loves cats. I hate cats. I think cats are stupid and lame, but, you know, it's his right as the commissioner to incorporate cats in his emails and correspondences because he's the commissioner and that's fine. But Scott really does a great job and Travis is a perfect partner for him. And I think we are in good hands for many years to come and they do a great job with this doc. They do. So they keep us updated and we know what's going on. And in this doc, man, your, uh, your team comes up a few times. You've been busy, huh? I have. Yeah. You know, I've tried to, I've tried to keep it how do I put this? I try to be active enough to improve my team. My, my goal this offseason was to essentially get rid of a couple guys that I would have had to have keep, two of, be, two of which being Ramon Lariano and Josh Bell. Love both the guys. I think they're great complementary players, you know, future draft options, but not guys that I'd like to keep in a league this competitive and in a, a year where we're keeping eight guys. Um, if we have keeping 10, probably a different story because I think there's some upside with both guys. Um, but Lariano is probably a better I'll leave that for another day. Um, so my goal was to leverage the picks. I, I acquired quite a few picks in the offseason, and I wanted to really move as many of those as I could while retaining one or two in the higher rounds to be able to, you know, like I talked about earlier, round out those those 10 keepers that we're going to have to have for next year. Um, so just a couple call-outs for me, and and, and we'll talk about the, the rest of the teams. But I I was, I was really looking forward to trying to get Aaron Nola. I was very, very um, intent on finding a way to get him from John. So I dealt a pick, um, a first-round pick for him. Um, I was also very interested in DJ LeMayhew. I know he's kind of a polarizing character for a couple teams. He's older, 32 years old. 
But the guy just produces, you know, if you, if you, if you read any blogs, a lot of folks say he might be the best overall hitter in baseball. He's also multi-positional eligible, first, third, and first, second, and third. So that was another goal of mine. And then in recent weeks, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I think we disagree vehemently on this, but I was very interested in acquiring Nolan Arenado uh, because I'm a homer, a Cardinals fan. But I really believe that after an injured, injury-plagued you know, 60-game season, um, of which a lot of players underproduce um, because of the circumstances of the COVID season, um, I believe that with a Cardinals team, regardless of park parameters, that that guy might have a massive season um, in a better lineup. Um, but anyway, so a couple of moves that I made there, but I trade a lot. Some of these trades were with Jason, and frankly, they were just moves, and they were fun, and they they mixed some players around. Manny Machado has, I think, dealt about six times this offseason from my team and other teams. But um, <laughs> anyway, it's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, it's not your fault. You're just a Cardinals homer, man. You can't help yourself. Yeah, it's okay. Arenado's a guy that I am not taking in redraft leagues where he was going and he should drop. And it's been, you know, it's been 10 days or so or almost two weeks since that trade, I think. And I just wouldn't want to have him where I have to draft him in redrafts. And if you're going to have to pay what you paid in our keeper league, ah, you know, originally Arenado and JD Martinez were traded to John for Trey Turner. This is, it's hard to keep track of this. I, I wish I could show everybody you could see this document. It's so ridiculous. And then Arenado ends up with Theo Ball again, oh, and then he gets traded to you. Or how did this happen? Yeah. So in essence, he went from Mike to John, so Mike Muldoon, who has, by the way, held on to him for a very long time with a very tight grip, um, to, much to my um, dismay. Went to John, and then went to went to Jason. And then over the course of a couple of weeks, I finally pried him away from Jason. And perhaps I'm the one left with the um, with the firing uh, flame of poop. I'm not sure, but I, I I have to believe there's going to be some production there. But I thought your point on the on the on the the segment I made, I, I referenced before we went live about Moncada being drafted, you know, 30, 40 spots beneath Arenado, he's probably going to produce similarly, and and that that's a really enlightening point because. If an Arnado ends up hitting 285 with fewer stolen bases and potentially similar amount of home runs in a weaker lineup, you might be right. So I don't know. I like I thought, the lineup. What's I that? like the Cardinals lineup. I have no yeah. beef with it. I just don't like the park for right-handed hitters and maybe hitters overall. It seems to be a pitcher's park based on park factors. You can find at rotofanatic.com, courtesy of Crosby Spencer. They're really great, and I just don't like what I'm seeing there. But then again, other people have made the point. That DJ LeMahieu, he left Colorado and he still thrived. Was just as good as ever. Was an MVP candidate in 2019. But he also is in Yankee Stadium, which is infinitely much more friendly well, hitters park than Bush Stadium is, right? It's funny you say that because when they built Bush Stadium, again, being from St. Louis and being there when it was being constructed from the original um, Bush Stadium, which was you know, a concrete nightmare, um, although a lot of fond memories. Uh, but it was built when it was when the new stadium was built. It was built to be a pitcher's ballpark. So guys like Daryl Kyle, Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, you know, in his early days, um, a lot of those early pitchers, they were very excited to be a part of that new park because it was designed around pitchers, right? Much like some of the other parks in the in the uh, in, in Major Leagues were done. 
when, when, when home runs were flying through the ballparks, these stadiums were built. They were like, God, we got to build 400 foot walls. Otherwise we're going to lose every game 15 to five. So it was built to be a pitcher's ballpark. And it, it remains that I believe Carlos Martinez would be a minor league pitcher his entire career if it wasn't for Bush stadium. But that's a different discussion. (laughs) Well, I kind of like Carlos Martinez this year because he's so very undervalued. Very undervalued. I, I'm actually looking at Alex Reyes. If Alex Reyes can finally crack the rotation, oh god, I know, I know. Uh, but after all the hype, I, I think there's still potential there, man. If you throw if you throw 97, which is much movement as he has, you know, get, gosh, if he's a number five and he can be what he was supposed to be, we'll see. But let's not go to the Cardinal rabbit hole because I will I will take an hour on that. Well, of course, he's filled with potential. That's all he's ever had is potential. Yeah. We yeah. want the results. We know he's good, but he never produces. Yeah. But yes. Stop walking, guys, right? Everybody wants to be right when the year finally happens. Hey, my guy finally cashed in. Woo-hoo. Finally did it. I know. But look at this. Look at how dumb this league is sometimes. Here's what happened. So Dan trades Rendon, a third round pick and a 15th round pick to Mangold for Ozzy Albies and two first round picks, two late first rounders. And then a couple of days later, Mangold trades Trey Turner. Anthony Rendon and a fourth rounder back to Dan for Manny Machado, Ozzy Albies, Trevor Bauer, and one of those first round picks. And then two days later, Dan trades Trey Turner, first round pick, fourth round pick, ninth round pick, back to Mangold for Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, and a bunch of lower end picks. Explain yourself, Dan. So so net net positive there is essentially getting Retaining a uh, number one pick, getting Manny Machado and Ar- so getting Arenado, but getting Manny, Manny Machado back. Trey Turner was someone I was interested in the minute he became available, which Jason made it very clear he was available for you know about twenty four hours and forty eight hours and twenty two hours, et cetera. But my my thinking there was as long as I can retain a high round pick, I'm fine trading him back. So Trey Turner is a first-round pick. I think in every league, he will end up being a first-round pick. High OBP had, you know, in essence, an MVP caliber season last year, um, but was outshined by quite a few other players. Phenomenal season, though, statistically. Um, You know, 27 years old, still in his prime. And hitting in the lineup with Josh Bell added, where they're going to score some runs. You know, Juan Soto might be the best overall player in baseball. You know, I'm not going to necessarily hang my hat on that, but he might be. he and Acuna are probably one and two um, in my mind. Um, so hitting hitting in front of that guy, not a bad thing. But that was, a, that was a net positive situation for me. It's like, how can I improve my team? Well, I don't need two more third basemen. Uh, but if I'm going to give up Trey Turner, you know, I, I might as well get some guys that can round out my eight. At that time, when I made that trade, my eighth keeper was Will Myers. 110 to 115 range in Yahoo, give or take. So my thinking was, Will Myers probably will be available with the first-round pick that I will be retaining at 1-9. If he is available, I'll make this trade. I'll add him on. He'll be my ninth keeper for the following season versus retaining him as my eighth keeper. So that's the thinking behind that trade. Insane fantasy takes. Why are you taking that player? I got to say, man, that's pretty takes. wild, dude. That is some bold, bold Moves, Cotton. I don't know if I could hang with that because that's that is so detailed, and there's so many intricacies going on there with so many different trades that you're trying to get to one bottom line in the end. And I get, I give you more credit, man. 
I think you're just a little more detail oriented on that stuff because I would have a hard time maneuvering through well, all those trades to find out where I ended up and how I got there. And if I wanted to be there in the first place. So exactly. kudos to you, Dan. Yeah. I give you credit. You're taking advantage of the opportunities. And since there's no trade limits, you might as well go bonkers. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, when I look back and I actually, I would send this to Jason when we were dealing, I would say, listen, man, here's where I started. I said, here's where we are now. And I said, if we're not net positive, I can't make this deal. And he was like, he understood. He got it. Um, and yeah, so I, I would outline where I was, the trades I made and the picks that I traded. And um, every, every trade, it was essentially like a, like a domino. So if it, if it, interrupted the flow of, of where I was headed, then it was a non-starter. And I was very, very candid with him. And just like I am with anybody. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good off season. But what's, what's interesting is there's some other teams that I think have benefited as a result of all the kind of flux of moves. Um, and I think John being one of them, you know, John ended up with Francisco Lindor throughout all of this. And, you know, his best keeper prior to the off season, I believe, and I could be wrong, I think it might have been might have been JD Martinez. I mean, like he didn't have someone that was upper caliber or upper echelon, but because of all these moves, he's he's kind of benefited from being part of those uh, various transactions. Well, yeah, he came in with you, Darvish, and JD Martinez, and a couple of guys, and Marcus Simeon still on his team, Teoscar Hernandez, who he likes and people love. So, uh, I. I... I think John's actually in a good spot here. He's got some undervalued guys that might have more value than other people realize, but I want to give credit to Mr. Allen. Mr. Allen's shoes, 29.9 or two for 50. That's a local Southeast Michigan shout out right there. Allen made a great trade, in my opinion, when he traded Brandon Lau, not low, to Travis, who is the, you know, he's the wizard of analytics in our league. At least that's uh, how I was told. He was he was the sheets master, and he breaks things down into a great detail. I've heard a lot of legends about Travis, but I actually think that Allen got the better of the deal by trading Lau, and he got back. He's a he's a rebuilding team too, so this is an important caveat. Trading Brandon Lau for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Sonny Gray, and Michael Brantley—that's a lot of value in return. I agree. I, I remember when that went down, and I was like, "Wow, that's a really good deal." Now, Sonny Gray. You know, some may say, again, in a given year, he might be one of the more valuable pitchers. I think he is. But, um, yeah, I, I think he – I think I think, and Brantley, Brantley is perpetually undervalued. I'm not really yes. sure why, but perpetually undervalued. Um, and, and staying where he is, especially with Springer jettisoning it over to Toronto, I think um, Brantley's going to have a lot of playing time if he's healthy. You know, the guy's probably a 20-20 candidate, right? Maybe 25-10. I would agree. By the way, Travis is an incredible tennis player. He smoked my ass every time we played tennis. So I want that to be clear and on the record. Travis owns me in the game of tennis. Uh, you know, I wasn't, aware, I, I wasn't aware that he was a tennis pro. Oh, Travis is very, very good. Do not take him lightly if he ever challenges you to a game of tennis. Okay. We haven't had a trade in a week, which is crazy. That blows my mind. I'm shocked that it's been seven days since the last trade. Overall, I haven't made much moves. I've kind of just been sitting on my hands here, and I got way too many keepers, in my opinion. I really don't know what to do. I also feel like people are not trading with me on purpose. I'm being blackballed because I won a title. It's not fair. I think I think you're probably right to a degree, and I'm laughing because one, my son is jumping behind me. Like, yeah, hey, look at that. He's having a good time. Hey, buddy. Animal. But uh, but no, I, I I think you're probably right. I you know, I, I won't I won't say it's necessarily from direct experience, but there have been times where. 
you know, after a season, if I've got a, a glut of keepers, people don't want to trade or give picks or whatever to the team that just won because, frankly, you know, why do that, right? Why improve the team that just smoked everybody, right? But <laughs> the, the irony is, is if you're able to get, you know, a first-round pick for one of those guys, whoever else you don't keep will be available and you'll be able to grab them. But, yeah, I mean, you've got you've got at least, I would say, 11 or 12 legitimate keepers in this year's format. Um, and that that's going to, again, like every season. It puts me at a disadvantage. People know that. so It does, and it's going to make the first round um, very valuable. Um, yes. When there's such a disproportionate amount on a specific team. But, again, you drafted well. You made great pay- pickups, and – you also made some really, really smart late season moves, which helped you um, in the last couple of weeks of the season. Oh yeah, when I uh, traded Bregman for like four pitchers: Luis Castillo, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Plesac, and a couple. Josh Hader. It solidified my pitching enough that I could win in the playoffs. Because in the regular season in this league, you could stream, stream, stream a lot and get away with it. But where pitching really comes in handy the most is the playoffs. You got to have it, and you got because you can't make all these moves that you can make during the regular season come playoff time. That's right. You have to have some depth in the playoffs with pitching, specifically because you have no idea of predicting. Well, you can, I guess, in theory, but predicting the matchups, right? So if you've got a Zach Plesac going against a, you know, Chicago White Sox or call it the Tigers, right? And he's got a, he's got a, a two week matchup where he's pitching, or no, one week matchup he's pitching twice against the Tigers. That's a big deal, right? So if you're able to predict some of those players or or trade based upon those matchups. In the final weeks, that's a massive advantage. Um, and you can also just trade for a lot of really good guys, and then you can start and sit, right? You've got more flexibility on who you want to actually put in your lineup. Um, the challenges you get into is you've got really high-end guys, or even if you've got mid-tier guys, but they're playing against really, really good lineups, then you're stuck in a really difficult decision. But, yeah, I, I always try to optimize uh, or should I say maximize the amount of uh, pitchers I have in those final weeks, because you know you really have to play matchups, um, especially in a one week, you know, winner take all situation. You're 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 in trouble if you get a really bad start out of a pitcher. Because um, I will tell you, I've had from Francisco Liriano years ago to Max Scherzer. It doesn't matter who you have. One bad start from an elite starter against a good lineup that you could have potentially avoided can just crush you. Right? You never forget that. Oh, that meant that means everything. I remember. It was in 2019, Sandy Alcantara with an incredible yeah. start to help me yeah. win on the final day of the season against Scott Muldoon, the commissioner of this league. He threw a complete game, nine strikeout performance against the Royals. It was beautiful, and uh, I believed in him. And that's if you can get those pitchers that you believe in that maybe are undervalued, and then they, they get a weak line. You know, Kansas City's lineup at the end of 2019 wasn't something to be feared, so it made sense that he could maybe take advantage of them. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, that, those are those situations where, as the opposing player, you're just shaking your head like, oh, my God. But, but no, that, that's what happens, right? That's how it works. And, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, I think those trades you made last year, Zach Plesak, just to call him out, absolutely love him. Local guy, by the way, from about 15 minutes from where I live in Indiana. Oh. Um, yeah, he's local guy. Um, Crown Point, Indiana. Um, but actually, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, that's it. Look, I wonder, will you win uh, Muldoonie this year. That's what I'm wondering about. The Muldoonies are a very coveted prize, and is there any chance you think you'll be able to pull it off this year and win yourself a Muldoonie? Okay, sorry, my son is crying back here. Uh, remind me what a Muldoonie is. 
No, that was the perfect answer. I'm hoping that Mike's listening to that. That was the perfect answer. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So we just wanted to cover our BYB kind of off-season moves here. There's a lot to come still. It's our home league. And yes, we're self-serving. It's fun for us. I like talking with Dan. Dan's a great guy. He knows baseball, too. So it's not like he's some doofus who doesn't know anything. He's been playing the game forever. He knows this game inside and out. And I look forward to the draft when it happens. We'll see how that plays out. And then we'll do another episode and kind of talk about how the draft played out and what teams will be sitting pretty. Because as of right now, I still think it's very convoluted. And I don't think there's any clear-cut people that I can say, all right, this is the guy right now. It's just too messy without keepers being declared yet and knowing where we'll be headed. Yeah, I agree. I think there's still a lot to be determined. You know, I will say Cuddy with his team and him really holding on to some of those key players, Bogarts, uh, Raphael Devers, Juan Soto. He's done a really good job of retaining some players. Um, I think he, as long as he can kind of maintain that, he's got a lot of high draft picks. I think he's going to be very competitive. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be a fun season. And, you know, no matter what happens, I think it's going to be competitive. And um, there will inevitably be way more trades than I think we either probably you would be uncomfortable you'd be comfortable with in the next you know call it three months once the season starts but it's fun man and you couldn't find a better group of guys um, and folks that really take it seriously which ultimately in any league right that's what you're looking for guys that give a shit and they really want to play play and have fun and um, enjoy enjoy the enjoy the game right yeah I mean I've been enjoying you know, all the money everyone's been giving me the last four or five years it's been great. <laughs> You're damn right you have. I appreciate that, Dan. Thank you. Well, I'm coming for it, brother. <laughs> I know you are. Let's do this. I'm, I'm stoked, and I can't wait for the season to get underway. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to say uh, thanks to everybody in the league. You guys are all cool, even though sometimes you guys are a little too annoying with the text thread and things go too far. Um, that's okay. You know, it's it's just something you can, like Muldoon says, you can just mute it. You never have to leave. We get a lot of people that leave our text thread. They come back, though, crawling on hand and knee begging because they kiss they gotta have it they crave that baseball talk they gotta get that they gotta get that hit um <laughs> they gotta get that hit it's funny you know scott leaves the conversation regularly because apparently he still play, pays by the text um but jason typically <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know but jason typically <laughs> leaves because he gets frustrated or angry um but yeah I, mean, I i can appreciate wanting to leave her once in a while hell i left the league for two years right but the text thread is fun and when it verges into culture and people and all the random stuff, I mean, gosh, this is why we do it, man. Like, this is fun, you know? It's just, it's just, it's just interesting. Keeps you motivated. So I agree. I completely agree. I'm rooting for Cuddy too, like you said. I really think Cuddy's a great guy. How can you not root for Cuddy? And he's kept some of those elite players, like you said. So I'm really rooting for you this year, Cuddy, man. I think this is your year. If you play it right, you stay calm, don't make the wrong move. Things could work out for you. Uh, I'm also rooting for Mangold. I feel bad for him. He's a better player than this. Even though he's never made the playoffs, he deserves more than that. And finally, the Poet, who I think is probably one of the coolest dudes in the league. I think you get a little too caught up in the prospects, man. I think you need to balance it out a little bit more with some veterans on that squad if you really want to win that title. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, and in 2023, you'll be the king of this league. But that's not exactly, it's not a dynasty league. It's a minimal keeper league. That's it. Yeah, the, the thing about mind. JP, the poet, um, and I agree with you on Cuddy. I, I agree with you on Cuddy and, and Mangold. Um, I'm rooting for both of them. I, the thing about JP is that the guy's always got elite players, but what he did a couple of years ago where he dominated the regular season, he just didn't make enough moves to balance out his team for the playoffs. And, you know, it came, it came back to bite him in the ass. Um, but, <sighs> yeah, 
there's a lot of good players in this league, man, and you cannot sleep. You know, I, I think about even guys like Casey who, you know, he, he kind of figured out my trick about waking up early and looking for free agents at four in the morning when the uh, free agent pool refreshes. Like there are guys, there are guys that are hungry, you know, and yeah. it's going to be a fun season. But um, no, Casey, no, Casey is such a hound for like fantasy baseball analysis, and he listens to tons of pods, and he knows as much about the fantasy baseball analysis world is anybody else including myself and i this is what i do now so i expect more out of casey i really do i know he finished second to me in 2017 but he should be should be better but he's also a parent now and he's a new parent so that can slow you down a little bit right now it'll change life a little bit it'll change your priorities Um, yes exactly but the good news is and this is this is how i would position it to casey and any new parent john's john as well when you've got little kids and you're you know waking up um in the middle of the night when they're when they're hungry or whatever well that's time to look at free agents my friend that is time to look for closers that is time that is that is god granted time to look for a new closer who might have taken the reins because you know your friend josh Hader got hurt last night so don't 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 look at that that child as a burden like i know john does look at it as an opportunity to improve your roster at three in the morning okay well said, Dan. Well said. Great. That was a lot of fun. Thank you to Dan White for joining me on a very special home league edition of the Plazo Podcast featuring the BYB Bless You Boys League talk and chatter. It's a head-to-head 14-team 5 by 5 with OBP League. Daily moves, daily lineup settings, 100-move max. A lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe you took something from it. Or maybe you said, who are these guys? Who cares? And that's okay. That's how things go. Shout out to everybody in the league. Uh, really enjoyed the league overall. I've really come to a, a piece. When you win three titles, you really just, you feel comfortable. You don't really feel like you have anything else to prove. And now I can just rest on my laurels and maybe watch someone else win a title this year. So thank you, Dan, for joining me. I, I, American. My pleasure. You were the best. Really appreciate you and, and uh, this the pod you do. Anyone that hasn't listened to this, I hope you guys listen to more of it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, man, and looking forward to this season, but appreciate the time. You betcha, Dan. We'll see you guys after the draft for another edition of BYB Palazzo Style. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Insane fantasy takes. Why are you taking that play? Insane fantasy takes. Why are you taking that play? You must be insane. Insane fantasy takes. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, Surprise is on our side. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.